Hey guys, happy Tuesday. I know I normally record on Sunday, uh, but the weekend was just sickness all around. I wasn't feeling good. I'd eaten something bad, and since Thursday, I was just so lethargic and not feeling up to doing very, not very much of anything. So I spent the do- days just hanging out with my dogs and laying in bed. Um, which, of course, I paid for yesterday when my back felt kind of tweaked. I am old. I have a lot of problems. Well, anyways, this is episode 8 of Murderino and Attack and ATX. So, I'm not sure. I'm sure you guys have noticed, obviously, that the tech has been unavailable on this podcast for the last few podcasts. Actually, probably like a handful of them. Well, it's because my husband is an overachiever, and he started his own podcast that he would record daily. Um, It's called The Thriller with Car Gonzalez Podcast, and he, it's not what you would think. The title is pretty deceiving, but basically, he talks about everything tech, everything movies, music, but, like, lately, it's been super, like, uber cryptocurrency concentrated. So, um, yeah. So that's why he has not been on this podcast, because he is too busy with his own. And, yeah, he's nuts. So, anyways, eventually, I'm going to have to just retitle this to Murderino and ATX, which is basically all it is now. And that is also my Instagram, Murderino and ATX. You can follow me there and check out basically my Austin life. Um, I post a lot about my dogs mainly and different stuff I do around town. But yeah, that's Murderino and ATX. So on to episode eight. Um, let's see. Big thing in the news right now is the run for the Alabama seat. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, no, I totally do know how I feel about that. But I guess, you know, you conservatives out there, if any, which I don't really think that's my demographic of listeners. <laughs> um, conservatives out there, how... Explain to me how Roy Moore is your guy. I don't understand how people are backing him still. And excusing past indiscretions. Um, We just recently had Al Franken from Minnesota, basically um, his constituents uh, and his um, members of the House and the Senate pretty much pushed him out. Like, they weren't going to excuse his behavior, and he did resign uh, starting in January. He will no longer represent Minnesota. It was really... um, it was sad. It was devastating. Um, not downplaying anything he obviously did before. He held that seat. Um, but Al Franken was was for us people, the middle class, the working class. Um, he was trying to do a lot of good with, like, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, like, Cory Booker. Like, all those people, they're trying to make everything better. And, unfortunately... All these um, cases of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct are coming out. And 
rightfully so, Al Franken did the right thing and decided to take himself out of it. And, you know, he apologized for whatever he did. But yet, we still have a sitting president who has more than, what is it, 15, like 26 sexual accusations? Accusations of sexual misconduct. Um, so, yeah, and then this Roy Moore guy, who back when he was a DA, he used to go to the mall and hit on 14-year-old girls. And in my understanding, I read somewhere that he was even banned from the mall. So, yeah, but conservatives are like, well, I'd rather vote for him than a Democrat because of abortion. Like, they're using the stance that he is pro-life to vote for him. And I guess it's really where, like, I find it difficult to sympathize with conservatives because you're pro-life up until that child comes out of the womb, basically. And then after that, you're like, good luck, kid. Um, you know, with this cut of social services, after-school programs, our public schools, our teachers being paid in public schools, you know, all that attributes to being pro-life. So what really is pro-life in your eyes if Roger Moore is your guy? All right, enough about Mr. Moore. Um, my recommendation for this week is more charity based on anything. I volunteer with the Austin Boxer Rescue here in Austin. Um, we rescue, we transport, uh, we try to get dogs, uh, boxers adopted. Um, I started rescuing with them probably about over three years ago. Um, my female Indy, who's my Brindle Boxer, she's my inspiration to have joined the group. I didn't get her from there, but I did get my male from there, um, Thrasher. He was rescued from ABR, so I do try to work with them a lot. And during the Christmas season, they post up in Barnes & Nobles around town. So if you're here in Austin, um, please join us. I will be doing a shift on... Friday the 15th from 6 to 10 at the Barnes and Nobles on Brody Lane in the Sunset Valley area. Um, if you're here in Austin, please come by, um, meet me, meet my dog, and get your gifts wrapped for Christmas. It's all donation based, so we don't charge per gift or anything, but we do, you know, let everybody know that it goes all towards the rescue, which is a nonprofit rescue that. Um, rescues dogs, rescues boxers, I should say, from all over Texas. Uh, transport, we do transports and everything. All of this is volunteer-based, obviously. But the funds that um, we get contributed by people around town, by the community, goes to vaccinations, spaying and neutering these animals, because they all get spayed and neuter before they go to a family. They all get their up-to-date shots and microchipped. And yeah, so, and they're boarded somewhere too. That costs money too. Anyways, so all the tips, contributions that you would like to make towards my wonderful gift wrapping skills will be donated to Austin Boxer Rescue, 100% of it. And I'm going to be there wrapping. Indy will be there as my ambassador for the wonderful breed that is the Boxer. And I will be at the Barnes & Nobles on Brody Lane 
Sunset Valley, Southwest Austin. So if you're in Austin, please come join and bring all the gifts you want. You can go into Barnes and Nobles and shop if you're looking in there and come swing by and I will wrap it for you or bring in something that you've already previously purchased elsewhere. Bring it in and I'll wrap it for you. You don't have to have purchased it at Barnes and Nobles. And like I said, please donate what you can, bring tip money and bring your gifts. I love wrapping and Christmas is like my favorite time of the year. So I'm super excited to do this because you know, I don't have kids, uh, I have a small family. So when I wrap gifts, my own personal gifts, it's not very many and I still have the itch to wrap some more. <laughs> and so this is like the perfect opportunity. So please come meet me, meet Indy, my brindle boxer, and get your gifts wrapped for the season at Barnes and Nobles on Brodie Lane in Southwest Austin, kind of Sunset Valley, actually it is Sunset Valley area. From 6 to 10 this Friday the 15th see you there all right so TV to watch currently and I know I'm very late to the game Jody I am watching Grey's Anatomy I never watched it from the beginning I never really had an interest um, but Netflix has like seasons 1 through 13 on there and I was kind of in the middle of like waiting for shows to you know, plan Hulu because we don't have cable. We just pay for Hulu and Netflix. And so, you know, with Hulu, you have to wait for, you know, the next week or so to get like the new shows that have just broadcasted. And so in between that time or like when I'm at work on lunch, I decided I'm going to start watching Grey's Anatomy. So any of you Grey's Anatomy fans out there, I'm with you. I'm a total fan. I really enjoy the show. Um, almost to the point where I'm like, I want to be a doctor. But then again, I don't like blood and guts nearly enough to do that. And that's too much, that's too much drama to deal with. But I really do um, enjoy the storyline um, of the characters. And I think it's a really well put together storyline. Uh, every episode, you're kind of like, what? And then I do appreciate how in between shows, like in between one episode to the next, it's not like days have passed. It's almost like they, the storyline just continues from episode to episode. And you're not like feeling like you missed out on something. Or from season to season, it's not like, oh, they were out for summer break. You know, like a season would normally be. I don't know. I appreciate that about a show. Um, because most shows are like... Like they're, they're taped in the fall and they treat it like that. And then, you know, whenever they have the break, they truly create that break in the show. And so when it returns, it kind of feels like they were on summer break, just like you. Um, but this show doesn't seem to do that. So I really, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, no spoilers because, like I said, I'm starting from the beginning. I am... Um, I think I'm on like season six or seven. And there's 14 seasons, which I found out when I started watching them. So, um, but yeah, good show. Uh, that is my recommendation of, to watch. <laughs> my recommendation is go back and start from the beginning if you've never seen them. Or go back and start from the beginning just to be 
nostalgic about it if you really love the show. But yeah, Grey's Anatomy. Um, I guess it's an NBC show? I don't even know. Because I watch it on Netflix. Let's see. Is it an NBC show? It's an ABC show. My bad. ABC. Grey's Anatomy. Good show. Alright. Alright. So for my murder tonight, I'm going to be reading for my um, encyclopedia again. Encyclopedia of Serial Colors. And this is the story of Amy Archer Gillian. Little is known about the early life of the woman who would later commit, in the words of her prosecutor, commit the biggest crime that ever shocked New England. Born in 1873 and married to James Archer in her early 20s, Amy Archer produced her only child, a daughter named Mary, in 1898. Three years later, billing herself as a nurse without apparent qualifications, she opened a nursing home. Well, of course, because... It's the freaking 1800s. Nobody's checking for your degree. Ah, let's see. She opened a nursing home for the elderly in Newington, Connecticut. Yeah, elderly and children are always easy targets. Despite Sister Mary's relative lack of experience, there were no complaints from her clients. And Newington was sad to see her go in 1907 when she moved to Windsor, 10 miles north, and opened the Archer home for the elderly and infirm. For the first three years, it was business as usual in Windsor. Twelve of Amy's clients died between 1907 and 1910, a predictable mortality rate that brought her no unusual profit. The surprise casualty of 1910 was Jane Archer. His death ascribed to natural causes. Amy waited three years before she remarried. She remarried Michael Gilligan. And her second husband only lasted 12 months. The family's physician, Dr. Howard King, saw no reason for alarm. Nor was he concerned by the deaths of 48 clients at Amy's rest home, lost between 1911 and 1916. The number might have seemed excessive for a home with only 14 beds, but Dr. King accepted Sister Amy's diagnosis in the deaths. Wow. Clearly, he was negligent. <laughs> in fact, Amy had devised what seemed to be the perfect get-rich scheme. New clients had to pay $1,000 um, in advance for lifetime care. Yeah, they're elderly. How much life do they have left? Of course, $1,000 in the 19... Wow, 1900s, like beginning of 1900, like that's, yeah, a lot of money then. So, then cutting short their days with poison or a smothering pillow, blaming each successful death on old age or disease, exactly. With Dr. King's obliging death certificates in hand, authorities uh, were loath to cast, were, were loath to cast, aspirations, but ugly rumors began to circulate around Windsor by 1914. Two years later, surviving relatives of elderly Maud Lynch, Maud, oh, such an old-timey name, took their suspicions to police, and an undercover officer was planted in the rest home, collecting evidence that led to Sister, Mary, Sister Amy's arrest in May of 1916. 
Post-mortem examinations found traces of poison in Michael Gilligan ooh, and five deceased patients, leaving Amy charged with six counts of murder and suspected of numerous others. Physicians calculated a normal resident death toll for 1911-16 at eight patients, compared to Amy's 48. Wow. Dr. King came out swinging, his shaky reputation on the line describing Sister Amy as a victim of foul persecution. Poison had been planted in the several bodies he maintained by ghouls to incriminate Miss Gilligan. <laughs> ghouls. Oh, what, an 18, what a 1900s word. Prosecutor Hugh Alcorn responded by calling the case the worst poison plot this country has ever known. Yeah, he doesn't live in 2017. Objections from Amy's lawyer winded the charges to one murder count. In the May 1914 death of patient Frank Andrews, and she was convicted in July 1917. Amy's life sentence was successfully appealed on technical grounds, but a second jury returned the same verdict. But a second jury returned the same verdict, leaving her caged in Wethersfield Prison. And in 1923, a rash of nervous fits produced a diagnosis of insanity, and Amy was transferred to a state asylum, where she died in 1962 at the age of 89. Holy moly. 62? Like, I don't know. 1962 for me seems pretty recent but i guess it's because that was the year my mom was born and she doesn't seem very old to me <laughs> but dang she lived to 89 lucky for her those poor other folks did not live that long let's do another short murder this one is uh william dale archard born in 1912 another old timey william archard cherished a lifetime a lifelong fascination with medicine like in the cash and self-discipline required for medical school. He, he sought work as a hospital attendant, learning what he could of drugs and their effects through practical experience. During 1940 and 41, Archard worked at Camarillo State Hospital in California, serving in departments where insulin shock therapy was used to treat mental illness. Oof. In 1950, he pled guilty to illegal possession of morphine in San Francisco, receiving five years probation. A second offense revoked his probation, and Archard was confined to a minimum security prison at Chino. Uh, escaping in 1951, he was quickly recaptured and transferred to San Quentin. By October 1953, he was free on parole. Archard's bad luck extended into other aspects of his life as well. Married seven times in 15 years, he lost three wives to mysterious illnesses between 1958 and 1966. If that were not enough, his friends and relatives were also dying under unusual circumstances. Jesus. On July 27, 1967, Archard was arrested in Los Angeles and charged with three counts of first-degree murder. The victims included his fourth wife, Zella, who collapsed two months after their marriage on July 25, 1956, a teenage nephew, 
Bernie Archer died at Long Beach on September 2nd, 1961. And wife number seven, author Mary Arden, who died on November 3rd, 1966. As charged in the indictment, Archer was suspected of injecting each victim, whoa, with an overdose of insulin, thereby producing lethal attacks of hypoglycemia. Gotcha. At least three other victims were suspected in the murder series. Archard's first known victim, according to police, was a friend named William Jones, who died in Fontana, California on October 12, 1947. Archard's fifth wife, Juanita, had also displayed classic symptoms of hypoglycemia at her death in a Las Vegas hospital on March 13, 1958. Another of Archard's friends, Frank Stewart, died in the same hospital two years later on March 17, 1960. On March 6, 1968, William Archer was convicted of three counts of murder, the first American defendant convicted of using insulin as a murder weapon. His death sentence was affirmed by California State Supreme Court in December 1970, then reduced to life imprisonment two years later when the U.S. Supreme Court described existing death penalty statute, uh, statutes as cruel and unusual punishment. Dang, this guy was murdering by insulin. That's messed up. Well, that's it for murders tonight. We got we went from the East Coast to the West Coast. Everything from killing old people to killing old people with diabetes medicine. <laughs> right? Insulin's using for diabetes. Yeah. Uh I don't laugh about murder, but I do laugh uncomfortably. So, anyways, that's all for tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed. It is Tuesday, and don't forget, I will be at Barnes & Nobles on Brody Lane here in Austin, Texas, from 6 to 10 this Friday, the 15th, wrapping gifts for donations. Please come visit me. Come meet me and my dog, and all your money and tips go to a wonderful organization. Uh, have a good night, everybody, and spay new to your animals. Bye.